welcome into a Tuesday special. You are listening to Loud America Discussing Soccer or Lads Podcast. I have nothing to crack, but my guests do. They came and they wanted to drink with me tonight. I have the Soccer Sub Podcast with me today. I have Ronnie, Christian, and Hugh, uh, the three parts of an amazing new podcast. They currently have 11 episodes out right now, and you can follow them on Instagram, Twitter, at Sucker, Soccer Sob Podcast. Guys, you guys plug your stuff in. I'm going to fuck this up. Um, <laughs> they're on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple, Anchor. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, they are on there. They've had amazing guests. So, Hugh, Ronnie, Christian, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Kevin. Doing good. Thanks for having us, man. We're really excited to have for you to invite us on the show. Thanks, Ronnie. Ronnie. This is special. I mean, we've been following your page, and it's nothing but entertainment. So we are honored to be in this show right now. This is yeah. Christian, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think I've had any, I've I've seen anyone in the podcast scene who shares my love for bashing sort of every person at every side of the way. You know, when it comes to the community, especially the Premier League. I mean, some of your quality, uh, some of your content on on Jose Mourinho has been absolutely class because you know, <laughs> some people just don't appreciate how funny he is. <laughs> First off, Jose Mourinho is the greatest thing to happen to Instagram in a while. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it, I, I honestly like, he's a joy to the world to have. And as an Arsenal fan, a guy who's been beating up my club for a better part of a decade, if not longer, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I can at least laugh at how hilarious he is. And also the Amazon show. He was fantastic. The guy just post coaching. He's still going to be spectacular oh, yes. to watch his career. Like I loved him when he was in the sky booth, like his insight into <laughs> the matches when he was like in between jobs, unbelievable. But guys, um, Ronnie, Christian, Hugh, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, I'm going to go around the room. Um, I've been highly impressed uh, by your show's guests lately. So if you guys want to go you know, talk a little bit about who you've had on the show, some of your favorite moments, um, I, I th- just think it's incredible what you guys have done with like, just 11 episodes. I think you are a, a, not, a, a show not to miss right now in terms of the soccer <laughs> content world. Uh, thank you, Cal. I'll start it off real quick. Uh, Thank you, Kevin, for that, man. Um, overall, I think this project really started at uh, beginning of the year. Um, it's something that we probably had in mind to do for quite some time, but, you know, the pandemic hit and a lot of free time in our hands. And I pretty much started with uh, me calling Christian one day, and I was like, Christian, do you want to just start this off and want to get into this? We didn't know what to do, and we got a guy who does a logo. Uh, we got some equipment. And, uh, yeah, man, and we just really started looking for guests. I mean, obviously... Um, you miss all the shots you don't take, so we just started sliding into some DMs, and uh, I think we got really lucky with our first one, uh, Fernando Fiore, who I think really opened the doors for us. Um, you might have seen him on Univision and like on Fox Sports covering the World Cups. And oh, he's electric. He's oh, yeah, one of the exactly. best commentators, especially when USA Mexico play. It doesn't matter what the match yeah. is. Like the guy is absolutely electric. When I listen to that episode, I'm like, he, how how is he? Like you know, in between the episode, is he just as cool and like electric as I see him on TV? Oh, for sure. Christian, take that one, yeah. No, no, he's hilarious. I mean, he was cracking jokes before we started recording, and we were just nervous because this is like our first <laughs> episode. And it's like, okay, at least he's making us co- feel comfortable uh, going in. And no, yeah, he was fantastic. I think we learned um, a lot about him and a lot about how kind of like how this works. Uh, so it definitely kind of pulled us to, you know, kind of just building on from that. Um, but I think Ronnie... Also, you know, we started all this because we are soccer fanatics. And the way we met is that we love to meet soccer players. 
So, I mean, little fun fact is that we actually know usually where the teams are going to stay at when they play New York City FC, when they play the Red Bulls. And I'm a huge memorabilia collector. So that's kind of like how it all started. It's like, hey, listen, I want to meet Schweinsteiger. I want to meet Pirlo. And, and, you know, that's the way we started. So then we thought about it. Like, how about doing something fun? So we know we can get in contact with them. How about we bring something to light? Because usually, like, we coming in didn't know anything about podcasts. So we learn a lot on the, uh, along the way, and and it's been fun. Uh, and we're yeah, still learning. Like, yeah, and we're yeah, still, yeah, learning. still but, learning. We're still but learning. But talk about, yeah, we, we have definitely, I mean, like, when we say we've learned a lot, I wish I could be like, oh, yeah, when we started it off, we were, we were you know, at least somewhat <laughs> knowledgeable on how to make a podcast. We knew what to do and how to do it, but we just, every step of the road was sort of like one thing, you know, another wrench in the gears because... Uh, it was always scheduling conflicts and what have you. And I remember the, so after Fernando Fiore, who we, I unfortunately wasn't able to be part of that interview. I kind of came onto the the scene as a sort of second string quarterback for the first episode. I, I, <laughs> I, I filled in just in case. Uh, and then, you know, here we are now, nine months later, or what have you. Um, but I remember recording that episode and then having to later that week record a double stacked interview day with um, Andres Cordero, who's a pundit at BN Sports, and then possibly the scariest moment of my life talking to Cristian El Bobo Vieri on the podcast. And I was, I remember, I remember sitting there on the call and I'm like, this guy is, is this guy, like I'm talking to this guy. This guy is this famous guy who I shouldn't be on the same Zoom call with, but yet we were all there asking him questions and he was responding. And it was such a weird experience talking to him because, of course, we got to know him through Fernando and, and that sort of all found the place that the, the BN guys and what have you. But it just you think of him as someone sort of who, why would I ever talk to this guy on a Zoom call about Ciro Immobile <laughs> or about how Inter Milan's doing well in the league right now and then he just shows up and turns out to be the most genuine guy you've ever met and he tells these strange stories and he's drinking this little coffee while we're talking to him and I'm like how did I get here <laughs> yeah it's a little surreal is though oh, like totally. you know the, like it, it is strange like when you actually meet the people like I remember when me and Martin uh were in the locker room for the Philadelphia Union and I'm sitting in front of Bedoya and I'm asking him a question <laughs> about his you know res- after the match and I'm like Oh, he's just a human being. Like, he's just a he's just a normal oh, yeah, guy. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you kind of get into this mind where like they're so unreachable, untouchable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you actually talk to him like, oh, yeah, they're just a guy. Yeah, they're just they're human. Just like, guys. Yeah, I, I think possibly the best story about that was Marcelo Balboa telling us about how he would, you know, he gets up at 5 a.m. every morning and goes hiking in the mountains of Colorado just because he can. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no rhyme or reason to it. He just does it because why not? And I think hearing that sort of personal side of people who you usually only see the impersonal side of and you get to see them through the TV or talking on TV or whatever, seeing that side of them is is one of the things that I really love about podcasting. But also I think the thing I love more about podcasting is doing these kinds of setups where you just have a bunch of people who are not professional soccer players and are much more comfortable sort of having a laugh and, and joking about stuff. So I think for me, podcasting is sort of this a bad metaphor, but a double-edged sword, but neither edge is very sharp or hurts like anything. It's it's actually a double-edged, <laughs> like, nice sword. You you want to get your head chopped off by it, but I don't know. It's, I it's think it's, this, whole, this whole experience is great. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I'm just, like, 
blown away by how hard you guys have been like pushing like you know the interviews and the content you guys are putting out it's phenomenal and i'm just really again thank thank you you. for coming on yeah no 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 it's you guys should be very proud of like what you've produced like this is really well done so um last question around here uh if you guys want to do like your favorite moment from each interview and then who would be like your dream guest like who would you want to get onto the show you think like um like non-realistic like realistic versus non-realistic like oh i could have kanye west on my inner you know on my podcast <laughs> you know yeah 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 what's for what is a photo of messi i don't i don't have a photo of messi but <laughs> i cannot answer that on my <laughs> no nah, let's be honest he's never getting on a show with me i talk too much shit about barcelona um <laughs> i'll have to resign for that interview i think i think the best moment was probably that's hard. I think we we've done an episode, we've done an interview which we which we haven't released yet, but we're going to release sometime soon with uh, Jordan Stewart, a guy who played for Leicester, uh, and then a couple of championship teams, Millwall, um, to name one, Watford, um, Watford as well, yeah. It, and honestly, he was the funniest guy I've ever met. And I think in terms of it's it, like when we release that, if we release that episode um, soon, I guarantee you, just listening to him makes you crack up the way he laughs. Yeah, he um, awesome. But I think a, a guest who I I would love to get on the show, but I don't think is possible. Um, probably Jose Mourinho. So that way I could I could poke fun at Jose Mourinho on a show. Um, <laughs> but that would take yeah. balls. That would take massive <laughs> balls. I would be so yeah, intimidated at any point. He's like the boogeyman. You know, like he is like John Wick. Like you say yeah. one thing and next thing you know, he's pulling out like a Glock. I'm not fucking with that guy. But that <laughs> I mean, that's you know a, you're in a, like for me, like my, my yeah. oh, no, yeah. I was going to say like my dream would be like Arsene Wenger and we have a glass of wine yeah. and we're talking about philosophy. We don't even talk about soccer. Oh, yeah. We're talking about <laughs> Descartes and we're just, like yeah, sipping you... on a wine. He pulls out his old cigarettes when he used to smoke for Monaco. We we I've seen the pictures. That man was a he had a cigarette of Stole Campbell and that's how he got him to come to Arsenal from Tottenham. <laughs> So that would that would be yeah. you know not the I I, I just feel like I, oh yeah go yes ahead. no you, no you no, go no I'm good oh, <laughs> this is these are the joys of podcasting remotely <laughs> I was just gonna say I think my dream guest would definitely be um, Ray Hudson from Being Sports uh, he calls the Classicos and he's got some of the best lines you know you, you hear this guy on TV and he's like that man was as cold as a polar bear's backside and like. That that finish was cleaner Dracula than Neutrogena. Onto a plate of, onto a plate oh, of man. Yeah, his antics are crazy. <laughs> Mamma his... mia! Yeah, all these crazy... Yeah. We, we, had his, we had his partner in crime, but Ray is a little bit more elusive when it comes to getting him on the podcast. I heard him one time do say something about a jellyfish, and I never <laughs> forgot it. It was something like, as slippery as a floating jellyfish coming down. Like I was just like... Yeah. And it was about Messi, of course, and I was like... I, this guy is just a blockbuster. He is just entertainment in oh, a bottle. Yeah. Um, Christian, do you have a, a star? I guess you said Messi. Is there anyone else? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, well, with the with the one of the first questions was um, who did we enjoy having in the show? And I love. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of coaches, so having Anthony Hudson was to me like bigger than everything even even bigger than Bobo Vieri please Vieri if you're listening to this don't 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 be offended by it <laughs> um no just the way he, he he 
you you can you can tell the way he approaches people, the way he talks to you, the way he responds. So eloquent, so smart, and um, you know, just talking soccer with the head coach of the U20 national team. That to me was. Uh, a moment of ju- a special moment, that which uh, I'll always yeah. cherish. Yeah, but, but that absolutely. was that one was a little bit scary because uh, a great guy, by the way. But Chris Kennedy, who's the the media supervisor for the U.S. youth teams, sat in on the interview, and so we were all like, "Oh, we got to be on our best behavior just in case, you know, <laughs> just U.S. can't release that." Oh my god, that is stressful, Jesus. Yeah, but he was actually the greatest. He was like the nicest guy in the world, so it was totally fine. I guess like, they just get a bad rep. It's like they're like exactly. you know, the, gate, the gatekeepers. You're yeah. like, oh, like don't want to like step on anybody's toes. But um, oh, I feel rude, Ronnie. Did you have a special moment? I feel like I skipped over you. Did, like that you were like you like kind of latched on, or you kind of think about? Oh no, man. Um, I think I'm gonna probably say uh, Bobo Vieri for sure, and I'll definitely I think we'll I'll second um, Christian with uh, Anthony Hudson. He was he was a great guy, and I think he gave us a lot of knowledge, and just the way he carries himself. I think those are my top two, and. I mean, hopefully many more to come, but I think those have been our, our my biggest moments um, interviewing people. And I think wow. one of the, sorry, to, to just to quickly mention, uh, one of the ideas was to bring these stories, to bring this information that we, you know, unless you look at YouTube and, you know, you know somebody, you get to know about this, uh, these things, the information that people can provide and weeks, we are able to, to put it out there. That's what's making, making this podcast so meaningful, you know? Mm. Oh, that was really sweet. So, I know. Yeah, I, just, like, I got uh, a little. No, just like, you know, sometimes home. we can get like sweet on this show. All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, a little wholesome moment. All right. Well, um, again, if you guys aren't listening to the Soccer Sub podcast, you're crazy. You guys got to get on here. You got to listen to these stories and check out these interviews. They're Appreciate phenomenal. <laughs> um, so I want to move into actual some some footy, some soccer talk. Uh, um, obviously, here at Lads, we're big MLS guys. Obviously, massive in MLS. That's our brand. Um, so we had the MLS Cup final over the weekend. We had the Columbus Crew versus Seattle Sounders. Uh, Columbus Crew handed uh, Seattle Sounders a whooping. Uh, this is an incredible story. Even if you don't know anything about MLS, you've probably heard of Columbus Crew, Save the Crew, how they were in dire need. They were going to be... Uh, essentially banished into the nether realms by the MLS. And to come from that to winning an MLS Cup, um, for me, who's a dumb-dumb, an idiot man when it comes to MLS, explain uh, how the match like broke down and how massive this is for the MLS brand, a small market like Columbus, not a New York, not in L.A., not you know one of the new big markets, but a, a brand like Columbus to win this. Uh Go on, just tell a story about like how great this is. Well, uh, I, I think a lot of people uh, don't take in consideration the the amount of effort you have to put in scouting and putting the right people uh, for a team. And you know, even from from a couple of years ago, having Sardes and uh, Nakbi and, and 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 Zach Steffen, who's already who's already playing in Europe, you know, they they had a good team. And Greg Berhalter, remember, he's now the coach of the U.S. national team, uh, put a great team together. But it needed that something. And then when the new management came in and said we're going to pay seven million for Lucas Elarayan. That's that's a statement saying, listen, we care about the team. We are going to invest in someone who can provide us uh, a championship. And that was the man. That was one of the guys I told I told Ronnie this from the from the MLS back story, man. Oh, this guy, where did this guy come from? Because I honestly didn't know about him. I didn't know he was playing in Tigres in uh, Liga MX. 
Uh, but when he came in and uh, saw a couple of these plays on the soccer field, you know, he's a game changer and and one of the reasons why why they won the game. And they also have a great squad, uh, uh, defensively, very experienced squad uh, with Mensah and Valenzuela as a, I believe is a left back. Uh, it's just the potential this team had uh, was already great years back, and they just put the pieces of the puzzle together, and they 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 were able to accomplish something that I wish one day the uh, rebels will do. Hopefully, one day. <laughs> wish um, is the key I'll, I'll word go, there. I'll go over to Hugh then. Would you would you make of the match then? Obviously, we have the story, the build up mm-hmm. that uh, Christian just went over. How they got to that point. Um, overall, with the match, I mean, it seemed rather dominant. Yeah. So. I if so in my predictions for this MLS Cup final, I had all my all my uh, what's the word all my chips on black. Right, I thought that Seattle was going to take it in a landslide. I've been watching Ruiz's film. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, look, there's no way a Columbus Crew team is beating the Seattle team. I turn on the TV, I start watching the Cup final, and you just see this Columbus team that's dominating possession and. Also sort of really moving the ball when they need to. And Seattle just was not getting shots off. Seattle was not putting balls in the box. Seattle wasn't going down the wings. They weren't being able to play in the middle. Even even an experienced captain like Lodero was getting frustrated with the amount of times that he was getting cut off. He was like didn't have space to play the ball into. He didn't have space to run into. And it became a point where Seattle really was trailing. And then the scoreline reflected that later. You saw, you know, 1-0, 2-0, and finally when it really opened up at 3-0, you saw this gap form and Columbus never sort of waited it out. Columbus never tried to sort of, you know, park the bus, if you will. They kept their foot on the gas the whole night and they kept pushing Seattle and pushing Seattle and pushing Seattle. And to be, to their credit, Seattle pushed back. But tactically, I think... Columbus just played a sounder, solider game. And Columbus very clearly came into the game with a strategy to move the ball well, to move the ball out wide well. And then after those out wide moves, sort of moving it into the middle, cutting it in and shooting, um, which was sort of a couple of the goals. The the first goal wasn't necessarily a cut-in shot, but it it involved decent wide play. And Columbus just came in with sort of a, a chessboard strategy as to how to win that game. And I think Seattle maybe thought they'd already won before they stepped on the field. I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not in, in Seattle's <laughs> minds. But. Oh, so you think it was a bit of like a cockiness thing. Like we've been here yeah. before. Yeah. I mean Seattle, yeah. I mean when you think of Seattle, you think MLS Cup final. I mean right. we're being think, honest. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think I think Seattle maybe was a little overconfident or maybe they weren't even overconfident. Maybe Columbus just played that well. Maybe Columbus mm. just caught them by surprise. They swept the rug out from under their feet and that was that. They won the MLS Cup and I think home field advantage obviously was a thing they had a couple of fans in uh, which was which was good for Columbus and for a city like as as Christian said, for a city that has a backstory like that with their sports team like Columbus that that means a lot. But I think at the end of the day Columbus just played better than Seattle that there's no two ways around it. I mean, it was just a, a tactical masterclass from Columbus in the sense that Seattle just had nothing to do to respond to it. Kevin, mm-hmm. to be fair, uh, the Rebels, uh, well, former Rebels, Derek Etienne, uh, is supposedly known for scoring in the finals. 
So, mm. you know, he has this thing for scoring the finals. That second goal uh, was a beautiful, beautiful play that he usually would have done that for the Rebels. So I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised of the intensity and the style of play that Columbus have uh, showed to uh, the Seattle Sanders. Uh, but yeah, if you have a guy who's able to <laughs> score in every final that you can, uh, you know, it's good to play him uh, for this game, <laughs> which he wasn't expected to. Oh, okay. So, Ronnie, I'll go to you. Do you think the high tempo by Columbus just kind of threw Seattle off guard and uh, just kind of like they set the tone? Yeah, 100%. Um, just to like echo what Christian and Hugh said, uh, they definitely made Seattle uncomfortable the entire game. I feel like Seattle spent almost the entire game defending instead of really attacking. Uh, looking at their like at the at the stats, like if you would have told me Seattle would have only gotten two shots on target, you know. On a game like that, I, I would have told you you're crazy. But mm. I think uh, Caleb Porter, you know, the coach for Columbus Crew, did an amazing job. Uh, I was just like you, you know. I was all in on Seattle. Um, I even got ESPN Plus just to watch the, you know, the West Coast games, watch LA Galaxy, mainly Seattle, just because, you know, I love watching Rui Diaz, who's been like their star, Jordan mm. Morris. And to be honest, like they just made those guys feel uncomfortable. And I think overall, that was a heck of a game. I'm over. I'm. I, you know, overall, when I was looking at that, I, was, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, they just I had a feeling it was going to be a close game, but I didn't know they would just kind of manhandle Seattle like they did 3-0. So <laughs> kudos, which, which, to, kudos to Columbus on that one, Kevin. Yeah, no, I, I'm again like I think it's a wonderful story, like a, a small market town that almost lost their team come out yeah. and end up winning the final. This is a Cinderella story, if I if I'm allowed. I was just you about know. to say that. Yes, Cinderella story. I mean, you go from like last year or two years ago saying that they were going to be relocated to like Austin um, or something like that, and yeah. you know, obviously them having like low budgets or but that new management, like Christian said, really took over. Um, they invested in somebody. They put down the money on somebody that they could say is their high caliber player and. I think you guys saw, like, you know, um, Zelarayan, I think, won Best Newcomer, MVP. Um, I mean, geez, just, he just killed it. And, I mean, I, I can't wait to see him again. Hopefully, you know, uh, next year when they come against NYCFC, we get a chance to just see him from the stands. Yeah. And I think, if I may, I think part of the, the thing that really makes me happy about the Cinderella story is that it shows some of the real quality of the MLS that maybe you can't get somewhere else in a sort of a, a top-flight national league. And you see it maybe in League One, League Two in England, but you don't really see it in other places where you can have this tiny market team turn themselves around in two years and win a title. And I think for me, that's what I love about the MLS is that because everything's sort of new, because everything's not really cemented in stone, you don't have your Manchester United's, your Real Madrid's, your Barcelona's. Anyone can do whatever they want. That was very nice of you season. to mention Manchester United in that thing. but. Not Arsenal. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Thanks, Chris. It's been but... 20 years. Calm down. <laughs> but no, no, no. I, I, I totally agree. But I get worried sometimes because, you know, um, I think sometimes it is better for the big market teams to win. I think dynasties are good for leagues because, you know, um, I think Manchester United, as much as people will say they're like the Dallas Cowboys of <laughs> the Premier League, mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes that is good. Or like when the Lakers win in the NBA, that is good for the NBA when these big, you know, uh, historic teams win. Um, mm. And I, what I like about this as well, um, me and Martin, uh, hand up, we've talked bad about the MLS before. Pierre, we're honest. Uh, but I will say, I feel like the um, stereotype or the, you know, 
story around the MLS where it's just a retirement league where the guys from the top five leagues will come over and like the Steven Gerrard, the David Beckham, which, well, Beckham did a lot for the sport. I mean, that really was massive when he went to LA. But what I'm saying is like these Pirlo, Frank Lampard, it's a retirement league. I feel like, do you guys feel as though that whole uh, stereotype or uh, I can't think of the word, but is changing? Do you think that that is changing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I well, first of all, we love it when the old players come to to play over here in the U.S. because we get a chance to see them. So I gotta be yeah, honest, I, I I love that. But uh, the MLS is doing a great job scouting uh, players from South America, from um, even Europe, so in Central America as well. So I think they do a really good job at that. I think uh, one of our guests, Glenn Davis, was speaking about it. And uh, if the scout, if, if scouts are not doing that, they, they should be really watching Copa Libertadores. They should be really watching South American football because there is a lot of talent. Uh, I just had a little, uh, uh, I guess, segment, which you would call it, whatever you want to call it, uh, about Ecuadorian football and, and, and the rise of it. And, and it's no surprise because there are so many talented players out there that need the platform to, to showcase their skills and to play and to, uh, ha- you know, they already have the ability uh, the physicality, and now they have developed the technicality of of, of, of the playing the game, and I think uh, MLS is paying attention to that slowly, and and hopefully transitioning from like you said, bringing those old players, and and bringing you uh, new talented players, new young talented players. Hmm. I'll just echo real quick with uh, Christian said. Yeah, I mean uh, Glenn Davis. Uh, I think Marcelo Malboa slightly mentioned it. Um, Andres Cordero, some of the previous guests we've had, um, they all talk about him. And I know like a lot of these South American players, European players, um, if they're not the main stars, they can definitely be great, amazing role players for any team. Um, I think we see that with LAFC, with our Ecuadorian uh, Jose Cifuentes, our Chiqui Palacios. Um, we have um, Edson um, Mendez, who, or J- Jackson Mendez, who plays for Orlando, who's a great defender. Their goalkeeper, uh, who's amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we see that in a couple of teams, and I hope we see more of it, man, because it's really exciting to see, you know, some of these Argentinians, some of these uh, Brazilians, and um, really coming to the league. And Venezuela, they don't have to Venezuela's be the been coming up as well. Venezuela, yeah. yeah, Venezuela, yeah, for sure. We had a Venezuelan um, in NYCFC, um, but overall, yeah, I think you know, I, I can speak for NYCFC. I know Keaton Parks came from Benfica. You know, they, we got Eber Mitrita, who unfortunately got loaned out again to uh, to Al Ali, but. Um, mm. You know, a lot of these guys have been amazing role players, defenders. Um, you know, you may not see them on the stat sheets, but they hustle yeah. for the ball. They do the gritty, the gritty work and all that. But And those uh, are my like, favorite players. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They may not have the shots. They may not have, you know, the, the stats. The Nagole Kante. The Nagole Kante. Just, yeah. just, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think that... that and Golo Kante, I think, for me, embodies what the MLS has become recently. And I think... Uh, I know you said the the thing about how dynasties need to win and for me i think that's always applicable to the country where the big market is a thing but i think because the u.s is the new market for soccer or football in the world you need that turbulence you need that sort of ups and downs of teams and 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 franchises and i think for me that's what's turned the mls into uh, some like from sort of this feature content league where you have it's sort of a spectacle right like americans don't watch soccer you know it's this new sport that's on the tv the same way people tune in to watch ping pong during the olympics when they have no idea how the game's played and i think i watch forrest gump i know all right yeah okay fine fine. (laughs) but i think 
the MLS has gone from this novelty sort of commodity league to, I think the best analogy we heard was something along the lines of the Eredivisie in the Netherlands, where you have a really sort of tooth and nail gritty league that is full of players who know that if they can make it here, they can maybe get over to Europe and they can maybe make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars playing for the top teams in the world. And I think it's turned the American soccer scene into something that isn't this spectacle for viewing it isn't this you know wwe type sport it's actually a development platform and more importantly it's a competitive league where you see guys fighting tooth and nail for spots in teams fighting tooth and nail for sort of uh good playoff berths and then even in the playoff structure moving towards it and then the competitiveness you see from and i think i think the further proof of that is a competitiveness you see of american teams in the concacaf champions league where you see american teams aren't going first round and out in the concacaf champions league they're putting up a fight i mean nycfc sure they dropped the tigres but we did a hell of a good job trying to beat them and you know tigres are a huge 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 mexican club and the fact that a an American team and a, a sort of a a team that was really brought up as a sort of subsidiary of the city football group was able to put in a shift against them really shows you that with players like um, Medina or Maxi Morales or Cayens, um, even Eber, you see these talents coming in from South America. And then again, like Mitrita or Shano, you see guys coming over from Europe even who maybe haven't broken into the top flight there yet but want to really reinvigorate their career somewhere. That's what brings the spirit to MLS. That's what brings this sort of winning mentality to MLS. And I think it's turned a league that just wasn't a league before into something that you really see people fighting for positions and fighting for the trophy. And for me, that's the best thing to happen to American soccer since sliced bread and powdered Gatorade. Because without those two <laughs> and without competitive nature in American soccer, we wouldn't be anywhere. All right, if yeah, you no. add that to the talent that America is creating, you have a good product. I think mm-hmm. that's what Anthony Hudson says. Most of his players, uh, he didn't say it in a podcast, but I, ever heard, uh, I heard him say this somewhere else, where pl- American players are now feeling like, like they're playing like Europeans. So that's kind of like the mentality that we're creating uh, here in the MLS and the academies have done a good job with that. Weston McKinney with an absolute belter past Marc-Andre State <laughs> Champions League. I yeah, like I Barcelona. Mean, like, I was about to transition into that, but I realized that we've already gone a half hour. Are you guys cool to hang around for a little bit? Like uh, oh, to talk a little uh, yeah, to yeah, you. Okay. Sorry, we talk so much. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Trust me. This is I, You guys are doing my job for me. I can just shut up and let you guys go. This is great. <laughs> I can just sit here on my ass. Um, but no, I... I, I am loving this. You guys are fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I, I was going to say the future of American soccer is brilliant. I mean, we look at Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, you just briefly mentioned Hugh, uh, Christian Pulisic, you know, Captain America, essentially. But not only that, we have so much talent over in Europe right now. It's actually like shocking. Do you guys see, um, you know, we were just talking MLS, but uh, do you feel as though like the American presence is finally felt in Europe. I mean, we've kind of dipped into it with the Dempsey, with the Donovan. We've dipped into it, but does it feel real now to you guys that we are finally like establishing a foothold in the top 5 leagues over in Europe? Definitely. I think if you guys don't mind if I oh, please oh, speak oh, first please. on this. I think Sergio Dest's move to Barcelona. Dest? What fuck? Is, I, can't even, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I, just, like, I think like, Barcelona. I, yeah, I think 
that so I think I, I, I hate keep to keep using the idea of sort of the, the novelty thing, but I think a lot of the American superstars moving over to Europe was sort of a market move, right? Clint Dempsey going over to Europe was, eh, did he really need to do it? No, he could have kept as sort of an American market player. Tim Howard, maybe there's a better case for in playing at United and then at Everton because he actually sort of had a long stint there. But I think... So Junior Dest's move from Ajax to Barcelona after declaring as an American international and then Conrad de la Fuente coming up through La Maisa and and really he I mean he's now playing with Barcelona's B squad and basically every weekend he's getting called up to the substitutes for for Barcelona at this point. He's he's made his senior debut. Um or yeah, I think he's made his senior debut. He did, he did. Um he did, yeah. Um and to think that not only have Americans gone over to Europe, but Americans have gone through the European system. So Christian Pulisic in Germany and De La Fuente in, in Catalonia, you see America isn't this place that needs to have soccer introduced that, you know, it's the backwards land where people only know how to kick balls if it's uh, on a tee and through a field goal post. Um, but I think now we really see some good talent in Europe. And I think we've sort of, um, what's the word? Um, put your fingers in all the jam pots or fingers in all the pie. I don't know, whatever the, the saying is, but yes, America's American sort of, pie. Yes. yes something <laughs> America's got like, I've seen that movie. I know what they do to pie in that movie. But uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> America's sort of reached across the Atlantic and, and gotten a foothold into, into Europe. So I contest that, the American development system is going to produce a World Cup winner. Um, well, in our World lifetime? <laughs> oh, in our lifetime? I think 2026, um, ML, as a 2026 World Cup final at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, I guarantee you the U.S. national team will be there. Ooh, Nostradamus. <laughs> the U.S. will win a World Cup before the Jets win a Super Bowl. I can bet that. Oh, but, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's, let's move over to uh, Ronnie. Do you believe that we have ascended? Have America Has America arrived in Europe? 100% Kevin. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorites to watch is definitely Captain America, uh, our boy from Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, Christian Pulisic. Um, nah, he's, he's killing it at Chelsea, man. Um, I think, you know, I think he really makes up for, you know, the Diego Costa that didn't work out, the Alvaro Morata that didn't work out at Chelsea. I think um, Pulisic is there to stay at Chelsea, at least for the time being. I think, you know, him and Frank Lampard have a good relationship. Um, it's good to see him back from injury. Um, but he's just one of the many, like like you said, you know, um, Sergino Dest, uh, Weston McKinney at Juve, who just scored in, in the Champions League against Barcelona with that, with that crazy goal. Um, it's, just, it's just amazing to watch all those guys, man. I think, you know, I think we definitely have arrived in Europe. I really do think we could definitely make a good run in World Cup 2020, um, 2022. Um, yeah, right, 2022. And uh, yeah, we could definitely be favorites for the World Cup 2026. But I mean, overall, I mean, Gio Reyna, who came up through the NYCFC Academy, oh, can't believe he's playing. City. Yeah, can't believe he's playing for, for Dortmund and he's killing it over there, too. And I know he Wait. just signed this contract. Dortmund might Christian. be bad, but at least he's like the, the nice <laughs> yeah, part yeah. about that. Yeah. Did Christian just say props to New York City FC? I give you props when you, you know, when yeah, credit's you know, due, okay? Christian's a Red Bull, <laughs> uh, resident Red Bull fan, so it's rare to see a compliment from him for NYCFC. That's, that's but, very true. That's true. Right but yeah, like, Kevin, nah, I'm excited to see all that stuff from Polish and all the Americans. When it comes to the academy, I guess Christian does have to big up NYCFC, but 
Because Christian, <laughs> Christian actually, fun fact, Christian coaches the U6s for the uh, NYCFC Academy. So it's a cool oh, fact. Oh, that's uh, incredible. Wow. That's, <laughs> thank that's you. So, that, that's so cool. Um, but Christian, um, if you want to talk a little bit about that yeah. as well, I mean, but if you want to, do you feel the same sentiment as Hugh and Ronnie that like, do you feel as there could be more done? I mean, like we have a few like bright spots around Europe, but it's not like, you know, um, essentially solidify that like, oh yeah, Americans were one in the same over here in the <laughs> top five leagues. It's definitely different. Uh, I think Jesse March said it well to ESPN. I think he talked about how Lampard uh, didn't trust Pulisic on the, in the first year. So he said that for Americans, it's really hard to break into the market. Uh, but obviously, with this place like Weston McKinney, uh, Giorena, Pulisic, you know, you kind of start to believe, okay, maybe we should pay attention to them. They got something to show. Um, so yeah, like you said, I think there's a lot to be uh, done. There are. To, I'm going to be honest. I know that there are a lot of players like the U20s are in Europe right now. They're playing in Portugal, Germany. I don't know their names, but I know Soto, because I think I, one of them, Sebastian Soto. Soto. Yeah, I see the 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 the, the U.S. page always pro, you know promoting them and 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 wishing them luck when they're over there playing in Europe. So I'm like, wow, I didn't even know these guys are over there. So yeah, that I mean it's just making sure that you keep continuing building the creating quality and and yeah, we'll see, we'll see, definitely see more because like I said. These players are, are don't don't only have the skill, but now they're developing the mentality to to be winners, and and I, I see them. I see There's a, a new future. confidence. A yes, new confidence, confidence around since Trinidad and Tobago. Wow, look how far <laughs> yes. we have come. Uh, I don't I don't need to spend any more time on that, but uh, I uh, want to transition yeah. uh, quickly over to the Premier League. That is our bread and butter here at Lads. We spend uh, most of our time right. ranting and raving, sure. uh, especially as an Arsenal fan. It is dire over at that club. But I just want to get a general thought. What has been you specifically? I'm going to go around the room. Favorite storyline in the Premier League? Is it? Tottenham, Harry Kane on fire, the next Javi Alonso, Javi, like passing guru, Josie Mourinho turning this into a top in the Premier League side. Is it Liverpool still hanging on even with injury problems? Is it Oli's uh, tricky reds? <laughs> is it <laughs> Chelsea's overwhelming firepower? Or is it Arsenal's uh, relegation battle? I, I just want to hop around the room. What has been your favorite part of this Premier League season, this highly competitive Premier League season where we have Leicester in third place right now, Southampton in fourth on 23rd points, West Ham in the top six. What a surprise. David, David Moyes in the boys. <laughs> like, um, so I'll, I'll start over here with Ronnie. Is there a certain Premier League storyline that you've uh, kind of fallen into? Because there are so many this year, it feels like, compared to other years. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, definitely, I think, like, I'm a Chelsea fan, so it's been awesome watching Chelsea, like I just said, with Pulisic. Um, I really enjoyed watching Tottenham again with Mourinho. Um, I, obviously, uh, Gareth Bale joining the squad, although he hasn't gotten that many minutes, but really excited to see what he's got coming up. Hopefully, he gets some more minutes in. Um, I mean, also, like, NYCFC fan talking, you know, uh, our boy Jack Harrison uh, from Leeds United. I tune in for the Leeds United games as well. And, um, you know, man, I think one thing I like about the Premier League is that you never really know what to expect. You know, one, one team could be first and second in one week, and then they could drop to fourth and fifth with one, one tie or one loss. So, or 15th, um, yes, go on. Or 15th, like, <laughs> like Arsenal. But, uh, yeah. no, nah, man, I really do enjoy watching, like, you know, um, Aston Villa, you know, Newcastle. You never know what those teams bring. And, mm -hmm. I mean, overall, like, 
yeah, Leeds United is definitely where I think I got to give props to because I really do like watching Jack Harrison. And Biesla uh, yeah. nominated for FIFA Coach of the Year. I mean, yeah, Chris it's, is a it, big fan I, of him. Yeah. I, I love his high tempo. Like that Chelsea Leeds game. I know Chelsea won, obviously. So, Ronnie, I, I know that must have made mm-hmm. you happy. And I got lo- I love Chelsea because they have so – we've talked about this on the show recently. They have so many options. Like to be able to have like Giroud off the bench, to have Christian off the bench, to have Z- uh, Z- I always fuck up his name. Zayat. Zayat. Ziyech. Hakim Ziyech. Thank you. Hakim Ziyech, yeah. um, but anyway, but like Tammy Abraham off the bench. I mean, they have all the, they, their attacking options are out the wazoo. So, um, but again, like I, I love Leeds just because Biesla, he plays one style. He does not care. He, he crouches. He does his sumo spot <laughs> the entire time. Um, I love it. Yeah. I think Giroud um, just recently when Chelsea beat Leeds, I believe three to one, but Right after that game, Giroud came out came out saying like that was probably one of the best teams I played played in a long time, or they were ridiculously good. And I think that just shows how good Leeds are. And I think you know I don't think Leeds are going to get relegated anytime soon. I think if they keep up with that firepower and you know th- that good coaching, I think they're going to be in the Premier League for quite some time. Um, and obviously, Man U and and Man City being eighth and ninth, like you know trying to see them climb back up and. You know, you never know what to expect every week, man. That's why I love tuning in on weekends. And, I mean, you can find me on the couch on the weekends. It's really tuning into <laughs> Premier League. Well, I mean, that Derby was rather shit. I don't want to talk yeah, too much about yeah, that. That, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was horrible to watch. I'd rather, yeah. you know, like, uh, I don't I, I could say a lot of things. But, no, I, I you know, I, uh, we'll talk about it with Martin tomorrow. He's a Man U fan. I, I'm sure he has things. Seeing John Stones and Harry Maguire hug after the game probably made him, you know, cringe a little bit. But I'll hop over to uh, Christian and I'll go to Hugh. Uh, then we'll work our way back around. Uh, Christian, uh, what what has been some of your favorite highlights of the Premier League? I've mentioned a few. Uh, yeah, please don't say Arsenal. But go on. <laughs> you know, I actually watched the Arsenal Burnley out of respect to you and uh, you know the podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, I I was very surprised because. Our, for our, when we talked about Arsenal a couple of episodes back, we see them as top contenders. Like we we talk about uh, Maitland Niles and, and we talk about uh, Saka, uh, we talk about uh, the other one, Enquieta. Like those are great players. Those are good. Players. And oh, then yeah. you have, you like know, said, you have uh, you have Shaka, yeah. you have uh, William. Shaka. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, he made a mistake because look, that's how important he was. Once he got that record, the game was over. Because they stopped, the, the, there was nobody. All right. Well, we we, <laughs> we can debate Granit Xhaka's importance to the squad and Arteta putting him into that midfield. <laughs> I, I, we can we can talk about that. But yes, I I feel as though when you are uh, anyway, go on, go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you guys were doing good. I think. Look, for me, in my personal opinion, obviously I know nothing. Uh, but I think it's just the the. <laughs> The quality of finishing that I mean, you can have, like I said, playing number ten and being a number nine when he can do both. To and and that's just a personal opinion. I think you need somebody who can complement Aubameyang and 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 be able to finish. I he he got two great chances, and for a good team like for a top team like Arsenal is supposed to be, you're supposed to be scoring these chances. Uh, and then William was like on the first half, he was locked down. It was so predictable. You're passing the ball around, and there's William. There's two on him, and the ball comes back. The same thing. Like I, I there is no creativity. Uh, I think I know you mentioned that even bringing out seal wouldn't be, uh, you know, important. Wouldn't make a difference. Uh, but you definitely need, do need someone to be creative, or, or or at least press in between the lines, man. Someone who can just just go on and take a shot. 
I, I will say that no, no, no. I think that's an excellent point. I've been saying for a while that like uh, Metsit Ozil isn't the answer, but at this point, what does it hurt? Yeah. <laughs> like, like what's look? What's I the... mean, all he's doing is bench warming and paying Gunasaurus's wages. I mean, why not chuck him in the midfield, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, might as well. I I don't know. I uh, Gunasaurus didn't die for this. I saw Patrick Timmons tweet that, and I went, shut up. <laughs> That, that, that's not, but, that's it, not but he's okay. right, isn't he's he? He's right. right. <laughs> oh, you go God. on. Oh, no. Um, I think uh, for me, it's the fact that the Portuguese national team managed by Nuno Espirito Santo is doing really, I sorry, Wolves is doing really <laughs> decently, you know, a couple of years after being brought up from, from League One and then into the championship and then into the Prem. But that's sort of old news. I, I like watching Leicester. I mean, I think Leicester is just a cool team. Um, I, Jamie Vardy's antics are questionable when it comes to corner flags and what have you. But I think watching Leicester play is is fun because it's like, what are you doing? That you shouldn't be able to play like this. Like, what? Are, come on, stop it! And then they play really well. It's like, no, it, stop doing that. It's like watching a, <laughs> it's like watching I don't know some some funny fish bumping into the wall at a, at a zoo or something. But it's it's like, why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. This is stupid. But it's it's really fun to watch because they actually do well. And then Tottenham, I think it's the same thing. But um, Tottenham has the money, and so you're supposed to believe that they're doing well. And watching watching Hyunmin Son play well, it, while I have sort of a soft spot for Arsenal and, and a less soft spot for Tottenham, um, watching Hyunmin Son play <laughs> is is sort of tonic to the fact that I, I'm not a particularly ardent Tottenham supporter because he's just all smiles and possibly the second most fun guy in the Premier League other than N'Golo Kante, unless, of course, you were watching the North London Derby, in which case then uh, he's not all fun and smiles because, you know, he's he's part of the conspiracy that nets two past Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I can't even blame Son when you give him that much space, like, have at yeah. it, Son, you know? Well, Son, yeah. I, I'm just saying, you know, just go at it. I, um, I mean, both those goals were just... I would say more Arsenal fucking up than Tottenham being great. Oh, it was yeah. not, it was not closing down. And then Thomas Partey, who when he has played and, you know, of course, like he's had the most injury time in Arsenal in his whole career <laughs> up to this yeah. point. Um, you know, I, it's, it's just questionable by Arteta. And at this point, like I really, there's still a, a little bit of me thinking that Arteta is the future, that he is a long time solution because I've seen what he did in the FA cup. I've seen him mm-hmm. actually win a little bit Charity of silverware. Shield. Yeah, um, against Liverpool, of all mm-hmm. people, the Premier League champions. But then I see this short-term relegation battle side that, that I'm like, what are we supposed to do? Do we go for Pochettino? I think the best thing I saw was um, someone took a picture of the FIFA 15 forfeit match icon, which is Mikel Arteta with his head in his hand. It's, it's, it's like, yes. ah, yes, this That's is... Classic. This is like <laughs> futuristic symbolism from 2015 because they knew it was going to happen. Um, the Nostradamus shit. They knew. Yeah, they exactly. Knew. EA Sports. Actually, wait, you could make a case that EA Sports maybe rigged the Premier League this year. Who knows? Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal's having a, a bit of a, a nightmare at this point, but I don't know. I think I mean, we're still like six or so points off the actual relegation. Thankfully, yeah. Sheffield United and West Brom are, at least if you look at them with the eye test, are worse than us. 
I mean, yeah. we can at least say that, which is also embarrassing, but we don't have to actually worry about relegation. Please, no one clip that, what I just said there, and <laughs> yeah. use this later. Um, but Massive it's, uh, L when May comes around. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, please. Thoughts and prayers from my club. Um, well, I, you know, the, the one thing I want to wrap up with, that was some good Premier League banter. I want to wrap up. We just got the Champions League round of 16. Just came out today. Uh what are your guys' favorite matchups? There are some actually like solid matchups for this. You know, there's also the meme that Man City got the easy draw with uh, Mujan Gladbach name yeah, I can never pronounce. Gladbach. Yep. Uh, but I think they're actually a pretty solid squad this year. So, um, what is your favorite matchup, and who do you see going far out of the round of sixteen? I'll, I'll start with uh, Christian, and then I'll go to Hugh, and then Ronnie. I'm I'm looking at the draw because I I literally the one that caught my attention was Leipzig Liverpool because that Leipzig to me is a is is a really good team I've been following them uh, in the last couple of games uh, it, that to me is going to be an exciting match uh, I just think right now Leipzig has the potential to beat any team and but they have to be careful defensively there are some things that they need to fix uh, especially uh, uh, on headers and air ball um, crosses uh, i think if they watch out for that uh, they are going to be able to beat liverpool and and yeah you guys can you know come at me at the soccer subs page and tell me oh, are you crazy how are you going to think that but uh but yeah hey, i that's... saw i saw Aston villa put seven goals to pass them so nothing's yeah. <laughs> nothing can, <laughs> surprises me anymore oh no yeah, yeah, I... you're right I, I actually think that Leipzig, for me, it's crystal clear Leipzig is winning that tie. Um, and I think the the defensive problems mainly come from the fact that they play this sort of uh, winged style of, of football where you have Angelino obviously makes, he's a, technically a fullback by trade, but he plays a lot in the center and, and up the pitch. So a lot of the defensive problems come from the fact that you have a lot of sort of midfield-minded defensive players, and Kanate is another example of that. Um, he's obviously Umpamankano's de- defensive per- uh, partner, but he's by trade a central midfielder, so he'll work his way up the field with the ball, and I think that can sometimes lead to them opening up gaps. But again, I say this on our show, and I'll say it on this show. Leipzig's defense are built like linemen who play American football, and honestly, <laughs> I think Mo Salah is going to get snapped in half like the last time he did in the Champions League playing against them because there is no way he's going to be able to pull off the antics he sometimes pulls off against them. Like These guys are both 6'6", weigh over 200 pounds, and are built like rocks. I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to play against him if I could. I actually, uh, City Munchen Gladbach. I, I know. I know. I, I just talked about this, but I think I actually think Munchen Gladbach can beat City. Watching them play Shakhtar, uh, Shakhtar and then watching them play Real, I think Munchen Gladbach are a really good team. I just think City might not be as organized enough to to deal with them. And then the rest of them are are sort of easy to pick. I think uh, anyone who says Barca is beating PSG is like nuts um <laughs> even without neymar do you think without neymar who might be out for injury oh, i think for without neymar they're more likely to beat them i mean like, <laughs> I wow okay I, that's a neymar hate i feel like neymar gets too much hate no no no, no. i agree it's, see see i think neymar is the most hated player in the world but i also think my 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 logic my logic behind this is <laughs> neymar against barcelona is good you're going to see what happens in late games with neymar all the time where neymar becomes frustrated with his teammates because things aren't moving how he wants them to and he'll take possession of the ball and he'll try to dribble through the midfield and the problem is sometimes that leads to sort of the clumping of the defense and then he doesn't see the options out wide he doesn't pick his head up he tries to go through the middle and he just can't do it and it sort of fumbles the ball opens them up to a counter tackle i I think 
Neymar has something to prove against Barcelona. And from the out, Neymar is going to be playing like that against Barcelona. And I think PSG mm. need to get the upper hand in the first leg. And I think a lot of players can contribute to that. I think Di Maria's experience will help. And I think a guy like Danilo, who is a ridiculously good central midfielder and who's strong at the back, is possibly the tonic to Barcelona's sort of when they're not bad, quick, snappy football. Um, and I think if, if Barca play Pedri and Trincao, then maybe they have a chance at winning. But I think, I don't know. I think PSG takes it easy, even without Neymar. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I'm i not the most upset because I love talking shit on Neymar. So, all right. Well, <laughs> oh, I actually <laughs> really like Neymar. <laughs> no, no. I like Neymar, too. And I think he gets too much hate. But, I mean, the, the memes of him, you know, rolling on the ground, it's it's too good. It's too good. It's a mwah. It's chef's kiss. Now, Ronnie. Um, your Chelsea is going up against a very good Atletico Madrid team. I know they just lost to Real Madrid, but they, they always lose to Real Madrid. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, I mean, how do you feel about the Champions League round of 16 and your Chelsea going up against, you know, Diego Simeone, the man in black? Man, I think that's going to be a game to watch. I really think, you know, Atletico Madrid are going to come back, are going to come out swinging after that loss um, against Real Madrid in the Derby. So, don't forget, you know, Atletico Madrid right now are, I believe, tied for, for first or they're second on La Liga standings. But uh, they are a La Salle State team with um, with uh, Luis Suarez. Um, I think definitely Chelsea. So versus weird. I don't mean to interrupt, Ronnie. It's still so weird that he's on Atletico. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not OK it. with this. <laughs> I still can't get used to it. But, yeah, I think that's a game to watch. And I will be watching also uh, Real Madrid versus um, Atalanta, which I know we've talked on Atalanta before. Christian loves to talk about them. But, uh, you know, they have Zapata. They have um, Amadiallo. Yeah, they have a, they have some, some really good guys. That that was my one upset I was going to say. If I was going to pick an upset, I would probably pick Atalanta versus Real Madrid, if I'm being honest. Is there any, like, upsets that you guys look at here where you could be like, oh, like, I don't see... I mean, I love Lazio, but I don't see them beating Bayern, you know, uh, Man City. I mean, Hugh, you talked about them maybe getting upset. But besides that, are there anyone you see here? I feel like Dortmund, Sevilla, I feel like that might be pretty evenly matched there. So that's kind of a pick em. But is there any matchup here where you're like, oh, like I could possibly see like an upset. So I'll just ask the whole room. I, I think uh, from what Christian said, uh, Leipzig, Liverpool, I think Leipzig could really upset Liverpool. Um, you know, being honest and just watching them play, I think that could be a, a true upset. But here, what do you think on, on your upset? Uh, I mean, I, I stand true to what I said on um, on Leipzig, Liverpool. I think Leipzig's taking that game. I, I don't see it as an upset. I see it as an easy win for them. I mean, maybe not an easy win. Um, I think... I think what was said on on Bayern Lazio is true. I think Sevilla Dortmund is is rather evenly matched, but I think in terms well, Liverpool of Liverpool has a bunch of injuries too right now. So yeah, might... and I think, but I think on on Sevilla Dortmund, a lot of people sort of see Dortmund as a I don't want to call them a big market team because they're not a big market team, but with the emergence of Erling Holland and sort of the the image of Dortmund's development and what have you, they have a chance to beat Sevilla, but. I watched that first Dortmund game versus Lazio. If Sevilla plays like they did in the Europa League, Dortmund is not winning that game. And I mean, they are not winning that game. Like, sure, Sevilla may have had Olivier Giroud net four past them at the midweek. But, like, if they play well, Dortmund are not moving past the round of 16. Well, I feel as though, like, I have one of my best friends, Scott. He's a massive Sevilla fan. He was like, oh, we played our C squad. Like, he wasn't even, he didn't even care about That's that Chelsea true. match. Yeah, that, like, Sevilla weren't even coming up to play because they already were good to go. Yeah. 
I told them that too. Remember, I told you Sevilla took them lightly. <laughs> I Sevilla took them lightly. Um, Which is but hilarious. my favorite one was uh, Manchester United Arsenal in the Europa League. I think that's the one. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great uh, episode. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Christian, uh, Hugh, Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know we went a lot longer than I thought we were going to do, but this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun uh, having you guys on here. I hope to have you uh, again. Hope to come on your show. Vice versa. If you are not Please listening do. to the soccer... Oh, oh, thank you. I, um, uh, if you're not listening to the Soccer Sub Podcast, you're crazy. Go subscribe to them on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, they're there. Um, and also make sure to follow them on Instagram and Twitter at soccer sub podcast. You guys plug your stuff. I'm, I'm probably doing yeah. a poor job. You, okay. He's the man. Yeah. I'm, you, I, I do, he's our, I he's our resident socials. Uh, socials. Yeah. So soccer <laughs> subs podcast on Twitter and Instagram, make sure to go follow us there. And then also, um, I don't think I need to shout it out on a podcast, but I think check out the YouTube channel because YouTube channel is doing kind of well, even though we don't, we uh, funny story that that won't be that won't be necessarily told uh, on recording because it's a bit long. But we somehow ended up with over five thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel, um, which is kind of nuts. Even though we post like we 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 post the unedited versions of <laughs> of our of our recordings, and that's it. And we ended up with five thousand subscribers through almost pure chance, which is kind of funny. Um, we need a video editor. <laughs> Yes, but that's also a story for another time because that story has nothing to do with the fact that we uploaded content merited of 5,000 subscribers. <laughs> yeah, trust me. We're, but, but okay, story over. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and email us or DM us anything uh, if you want to, I don't know, get angry with us because most people do. <laughs> So <laughs> no, I love it. And you guys have just been producing such amazing content. Like I would say like lads has done like 200, whatever episodes at this point, what you guys have done in 11 episode NAS span. I am way more impressed at the amount of good quality content of, compared to me and Martin rambling on and being wasted. Like you guys have actually created something that <laughs> is actually good for the soccer content, you know, culture so again well, i sell yourself you. short you guys no, are, i will no i you guys I, are great I, <laughs> yeah no, no you guys so we're good at, we're good at memes that's about it but guys thank you so <laughs> much for coming on this show hugh ronnie christian you guys have been phenomenal make sure to check them out obviously subscribe follow thank you guys again. i'll be your dream i'll be your wish i'll be your fantasy I'll be your hope, I'll be your love, be everything that you need. I love you more with every breath, truly, madly, deeply do. I will be strong, I will be faithful, cause I'm counting on a new beginning. A reason for living, a deeper meaning. Yeah. I wanna stand with you on a mountain. Certainty that we're surrounded by the comfort and protection of the